Good morning. Good morning. Amen. Good to be with you today. Again, good to be back here with you today. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. God is moving in these meetings, I tell you. How many of you have been enjoying yourselves? Amen. I bring you greetings from the Garden State, as we always say. On the other side of the country, my brother there, that's right. Amen. But we bring you greetings from New Jersey, and a lot of times people in New Jersey don't know that Portland exists, and people in Portland don't realize that Jersey exists. So it's a cross-country deal. I just wanted to share with you real quick about something that's important. We have had a theme here uh, all week of God raising people up, God blessing people, God doing some wonderful things in people's lives. Last night, Elena preached a great message last night about being under the radar and God calling you out. And I want to kind of build on that a little bit because I just believe that the church's best days are ahead of her. The body of Christ's best days are ahead. I believe that revival is going to once again come back to this nation. I don't believe that God's through with America at all. I believe that something big is going to happen in the nation. I believe that God's preparing and stirring people for what he wants to do uh, in this time frame. I want to talk to you about something that uh, most people think about, but they don't know how to get there. And I want to tell you something. If you've been put down, knocked down, dragged down, beaten down, or whatever, in any of those categories, this message is for you. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. In Genesis 7:11, no pun intended, <laughs> it says in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month of the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep had broken up. And the windows of heaven were open. Now, I just use this scripture because I'm talking about the fountains of the great deep. There's things inside of us. I'm not talking about creation per se, but there's things inside of people that are deep things that destroy people. Such as, I'll give you a list of them, things that hinder us from going into the future. Number one, fear. In 1 John 4, 18, it says that fear has torment. Number two, shame. Psalm 44, 15, it says, my dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. You ever do something wrong and you were ashamed? Raise your hand. It's hard to shake that one for some reason. Shame's a tough one to shake because shame is like a silent killer. Nobody really knows how bad you feel but you, and shame keeps going around and going around. Number three, jealousy. The Bible says that jealousy is cruel as the grave. Number four, anger. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. doesn't pay to be angry. You might as well forgive real quick. Let people off the hook because anger is a foolish element inside of people's lives. Rejection's a big one. You find that all the time. But how many know that Jesus himself was rejected? Scripture says that he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Neglect, when people feel neglected. We live in a day and age where people feel neglected. They feel left out. They feel like they've been forgotten and overlooked all the time. In Isaiah 49, 15, and 16, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may not forget. They may forget you, yet I will not forget you, God says. I have inscribed you on in the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. 
You see, what people need to get out of these deep places, and we find uh, in our travels and in our ministry, I've been pastoring my church now for a long time uh, in New Jersey, and I've talked to lots of different people in their situations. What I find is some, one of these different things, and even more could be added to that list, that always hinder people from believing that God has something good for them. God has good things for you. Would you tell someone, God has good things for you? Say it just like that. God has good things for you. Amen. In Revelations 4.1, I'm just going to give you this. He says, after these things, after, after what? After dealing with fear, shame, neglect, jealousy, uh, rejection, and all these things, he says this in Revelations 4.1. He says, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice that I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. You see, God has to bring you and I up to a whole nother level. I remember years ago when we were looking for property, many, many years ago. And I ran across this guy. We, he had a nice place, and we were going to rent this facility. And it was brand new, an industrial area, and we were going to rent. And um, I remember being real excited. We didn't have that many people, but the guy was connected. He said, well, I'm friends with the mayor. Go talk to him. And I went to the mayor, and the mayor said, uh, we can maybe work something out. And he said, go talk to my friend. And he was the lawyer, the main lawyer for, for contracts for property and land. And I went to him, and everything was going smooth. I said, we're going to get this, and it's going to be really good. And the place was brand new, and we were excited. Well, <clears throat> I was excited, but I got home. And went to sleep that night. And when I woke up the next morning, I was sitting on the side of the bed. And I was praying. And I, I remember praying just a few words. I don't remember what I said. But it was as though I was taken out of my body and catapulted or shot into the heavens. It's like a, a ride, like a, a, a hydraulics. Like something just went. And I was before the throne of God. I didn't see him, but I knew where I was. And I heard this voice say, if you get that building, you're going to regret it. He said, don't get the building, cease from the contract, that's not the one for you. And it was like I came back down into my body, and I, I came into a sense of awareness, and I said, wow, this is heavy. I didn't get the building, and I guess God saved me on that. But my point is, sometimes God has to lift you out of a state, out of a state from all these things that can hinder you from going into your future, but he's got to bring you up into another place and another level to show you things that will take place after this, okay? So God wants to bring you from mediocrity into excellence. He wants to bring some of us from shame uh, to dignity, from grief to greatness. He wants to bring you from the past into a prosperous future. That's what he really wants to do. You see, the future is this, and, and uh, it's, it's everything. The future is everything. The future is this. It's a time that is to come or is to be or to come hereafter, something that will exist or happen in some time to come. It's a condition, especially of success or failure or something to come. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You see, God has good thoughts. And when you're battling any of those particular situations, it's very hard to think that God has something for you. Very hard to think that. Because the future is really, really good. And what we do when we prophesy and minister prophetically, we try to encourage people. The Bible says the prophecies for exhortation uh, and comfort and uh, exhortation. And we find that we have to encourage people because people do not believe that there's a future for them. 
Now, myself, for you that don't know me, I've been here at least three or four times before, uh, maybe six or seven years ago or five years ago, don't remember now. But I didn't come, I wasn't born in church. I, I got saved at college, at, and I didn't go to church as a kid, so I don't have the background of, uh, of, of all of what exists uh, in a region. I don't know any of that. I didn't have a church background, a Methodist background, Baptist background, none of that stuff. I got saved in my college dormitory room at 22 years old and filled with the Holy Spirit the same night and spoke in tongues the same night. Me and my wife got saved the same day. And um, she was my girlfriend then and I got married. We've been married for 34 years. Yeah. And I didn't know. I didn't know anything about God. And so if you would have asked me but that God would have been able to use me uh, to do things and go around the world and preach and prophesy to all kinds of folks, I would have said, you must be out of your mind. You must be crazy. First of all, I've, I got a D in public speaking in college. <laughs> I remember so clearly. I wasn't saved, so I, I don't know if you can. You handle unsaved stories? Okay, because some churches can. I would, I'd go to class with, with weed on my mind. You that are laughing know what I'm talking about, but let me go on. Let me go on. And I wasn't paying attention, so we had public speaking, and I got up there and mumbled off something, and a guy was just sitting in the back like, Butler, just sit down, please. Just sit down. I said, What? He said, no, that's not the way you do it. So to, to say to me years ago that I would be a preacher or a pastor or a prophet, whatever people call me, you must have been out of your mind. But God knew long before I ever got saved what the purpose and intention of his, of his allowing me to be born was. And so God always has a bright future for you. And you need to keep encouraging yourselves. I don't care what state you're in today. Encourage yourself and say, God has a bright future for me. Say it out loud. Okay. Now the future consists of dreams, hopes, challenges, obstacles, all kinds of wonderful things, okay? John 16, 13 says it this way. Jesus said it this way. He said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will show you or he will teach you all things, but he will not speak of his own. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit can tell you about your future. So as time went on after I got saved, I would always be in these weird places and somebody would pick me out. I couldn't stand prophets or prophetic meetings, because they would always pick me out. I'm like, look, I'm not your guy. I don't know anything about, I don't even know the Bible. I'm just here with my girlfriend, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Every time, I could, I could wear a, a ugly green uh, parka and, and a hood over me, and they would say, you in the back row. Every time. I remember leaving this church, uh, it was, a, it was a, a denominational church, and I was leaving the church and walking out, didn't know anybody, didn't know anything about church. And I went with her just because she wanted to go, because I liked her. And that was really my motive just to get her. That's the truth. <laughs> I, I, I mean, God knows. I, I had no desire for Jesus. I was just saved. And, you know, I'm not going to hell now, at least. And, you know, <laughs> she asked me to go, so I'll go. And we were walking out, and this old lady came up to me, real, real old. She, well, God help us. She, she looked like she was about a hundred. She was dressed like a pilgrim. 
and, and, you know, I was raised, you know, back in, the, back in the day to be respectful to the elderly. I said, yeah, you know, you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and you bow a little bit when you see an elderly woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you do a little bit of that. And I was trying to get out of the aisle because I knew the game. I knew when altar calls would come because I had mastered resisting altar calls as a kid. When I would go to church twice a year, at Christmas and Easter, and I would only go in the summertime just to get a free Bible and that, and that uh, vacation Bible food that they would have uh, in the basement of the church. I, I was terrible. I was terrible. And so I said to myself, I said, well, let me make sure I get out of here because I know somebody's going to ask me something. They're going to say, you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. And I don't want to hear that. Just let me out. Well, somehow, you know, showing respect to this elderly lady, she eased her way out in the middle of the aisle when I was coming by. And I said, oh, God, I can't get around her. (laughs) I said, okay. And then some lady said, come on over here, son. I want you to meet my mother. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And the lady turned and looked at me. Never will forget it. I don't know how old this lady was. But she turned and she did her finger like this. got scared see I'm just now saved you got to understand I'm saved about three months so I'm I'm three percent saved 97 still in the world and when you put your finger up at a brother in the hood ah you know what does that mean you know so anyway I'm looking at this lady and she went like this and then she turned her finger backwards and she went like this and I'm being humble, you know, hat in hand. And I, I came down, and, yes, ma'am, she's real short. And I came down, she said, I got something to tell you, son. I said, yes, ma'am, yes, 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 ma'am. She said, honey, give me a little bit of that oil. And it seemed like the lady that was with her was like on, on call. Like she already had a jar of oil open that was like a coffee jar, a Maxwell House coffee jar with stale oil in it that, that had been smelling for a month. You know, this was anointed. We prayed over this. And she went like this. She, the finger went down and came back up. And she turned back like a robot. But bang. And she took that finger and she put her finger on my forehead and put a cross on me. And she said, I wanted to tell you, you got the mark. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) What mark? (laughs) And all she said was this. And I walked past and, and left. As soon as I got outside, I was like, <laughs> whatever you put on me, I don't know, I thought it was voodoo or something. I said, what did this lady do to me? But what it was, she saw the call of God on my life. I didn't see it. I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know all the spiritual stuff, people putting oil on people and stuff. That's strange. <laughs> so anyway. If you would have told me that I would have had some mark and some call on my life, I would have never believed you. 
There was no preachers in my family. There was nobody that went to church in my family. I'm the seventh kid out of, uh, actually a number seven out of seven kids. We didn't go to church. Sunday was full of NFL football, Packers, Lions, Bears, Rams. You remember the, the thing? Remember that? Irv Cross, Tom Brookshire. That was Sunday, baby. Get the paper and eat a good breakfast and go out Sunday and reenact what happened in the game. That was Sunday. That's the life of an unbeliever. So if you would have told me that I would have been doing all of what God has had me to do, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have told you you were false or ignorant or blind or something negative I would have came up with. But the Holy Spirit says this. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will take the things that are mine and he'll tell you them. And he'll tell you what's in the future. The believers have, an, have a tremendous advocate in the fact that we're the only ones that knows what can happen tomorrow if we tune in and, and, and dig into the Holy Spirit because he'll tell you what's going to happen. And so what I'm talking about today is something that's very important. A lot of times people don't fulfill their futures because they, are, they get stuck in one of these categories. Now, I know I'm not going to finish this whole deal, but they get stuck in one of these categories. And God, the way he builds things, I think like I'm a late bloomer. Like when I just sit around and listen to people and they tell me stories about Bible Temple and, you know, all of this. We just saw your books. We saw Bill Seidler's books and, and uh, present day truth. We would buy the books and order them and they would come east. That's all we knew about you guys. We saw the making of a leader, Frank's little book with the flame on it way back in the day. You know, Wendell Smith, the roots of something. I have all of them. I have every one of those books when they were big. Eight and a half by 11s. I bought every one 20-some years ago. Never, never in a thousand years would I believe I'd be connected with these guys. Now, if you'd have told me that, I wouldn't have believed you. My point is simply this. If you get stuck in any of those categories in your life, fear, shame, jealousy, anger, rejection, neglect, or whatever it might be, you can't see the future. You can't even believe that God could do anything. Whether it's a, a trap where finances fall out, where you have a bad season, whatever it might be. Struggles, death, I testified the other night about that. You get caught in any of those traps, you can't see anymore. But I want, you to, I want to tell you something. That before you were born, Jeremiah 1 says it this way. He says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I called you and declared my purpose over your life before you ever came into natural existence. And so what God is saying when he says that, he says, listen, I'm, I'm from the eternal realm. I'm God, the eternal God. And what, what we have to remember that he is the eternal God. He's not a God that's in time. He's not just, see, that's what I like. He's not just Jesus. He is Jesus. But Jesus was put into time zone with us to function as a man and it was God but the eternal God has always existed and so has the word from forever and forever so he knows everything and he'll be here after everything happens so he knows everything and what happens to people in life they go through life and they get stuck on one of these detours and these roads and they can't see the future so they might lose two, three, four, five years. I remember people witnessed to me as a teenager and I rejected the word. 
I laughed. I had friends, two friends of mine, their mothers went to church. That's how I knew how to duck an altar call. I knew the religious system of what a preacher was going to do. I knew when it was coming. I said, listen, man, I'll sit in the back. I'll go with you. He said, come on, man, go with me. It's Easter. I said, I'll go with you, you know, just to put my suit on and look for girls. <laughs> but I knew how to get out. I knew when the organ was going to play. And you go to church, you know, they have the system, you know, and the preacher stands up. He says, I know there's one this morning. I know there's one. And it goes like this. And he knows you're the only one in there that doesn't know Jesus. But I knew how to nudge my buddy, slip out. I'm going to the bathroom, man. I hit the bathroom and then go right outside. Be waiting outside. I knew it. I remember somebody witnessed to me at 16 years old. Guy, a guy was fired up for Jesus, brought us to his house, tried to tell us about the Lord, forced us almost to try to get saved, didn't get saved. So I remember people give me these little green Bibles, said, here, take this with you. You know, still didn't get saved. But all those times, I could have gotten saved, and I missed it. So in the mind of God, from his eternal purpose for my life, that he works in time, I lost years. And what happens to people is because they resist, reject, neglect, or whatever it might be, they lose time. And so what he has to eventually do with us he has to get us to the place in the time frame of his purpose. And sometimes he has to do something. And that's what I came to tell you today in my last several minutes here. He has to do this. He has to catapult you. Amen. Now, let me give you this definition. A catapult in the ancient is an ancient military device for hurling missiles. A device for launching and an airplane at flying speeds, it means to launch, to throw, to cast, to sling. It's the SARS that says to send quickly through the air, especially with a quick forward motion, to place or to send suddenly. Example, a catapult at a shooting range. It's, it's just like that. God has to, and Jesus is the master of the catapult. He's the master of taking that, that underdog, that loser, that left out one, that forgotten person, that rejected person. He's the master at finding his customers. You know, I preached this the other day on, on Easter. Galilee was a strange place. Galilee actually was a place that nothing good had ever happened in Galilee because there was a lot of poor people in Galilee. But Jesus preached in Galilee first. That's where he declared the kingdom. And he got his disciples out of Galilee. He got broken down people and fishermen. He got the underdogs, the rejected, the forgotten. He didn't get the high and mighty. He didn't go after them. And what I'm talking about is simply God looks for people that, feels like, that feel like they missed it, that they're behind schedule. He goes to churches that feel like they're behind schedule. He finds people that feel like they've wasted years of their life and they're never going to catch up and they're never going to fulfill anything. That's what he does. Now, I need a child, a nice little one, so I don't <laughs> hurt my, there's like nine of them here. Oh, my little friend. Come, come, love. She's been waiting for this. She's been winking at me all weekend. It's my little buddy. But you see, this is you. And what happens? Why don't you go stay over 
up on it. Leave it to red. Just over there. And let's just say you're behind in life. Yeah, that's good. You're doing good. You're behind in life. You're behind in your call. You're behind financially where you should be. Do you realize that God has a certain amount of money that you should be making in your life at a certain period of, your t- of time? That he has a certain place to where you should be living at a certain particular time. In 2017, there's a certain house that he has you, you should be in. There's a certain school you should have been. Everything. He's got it all planned out. He's got it all planned out. And yet, yet fear, anxiety, tragedy, jealousy, manipulation, schemes, sin, all kinds of things have blocked our way and caused detours and blocks to come up and stop us. Churches, people going in, people going out, instability, changes, transitions, all this happens. And yet, in his eye, okay, in his eye, we should be down here, let's say. Let's say at this point uh, in his eyes, uh, it's 2019, but let's just hypothetically say that we're functioning, uh, a person is functioning at a 1998 level. And so what he does, what he does, he catapults you. And what catapult means, all parents should know this one. This is a parental message, especially moms. When those children are usually in a supermarket in some place, and you're looking at food and shelves, and they're wandering around, and you told them to stand next to you, and they somehow drift away. You go and you get them, and here's the big part, and you pick them up. <laughs> Say, now you stay here. <laughs> you know what he does? This is real. I told you I used to buy all the books, Bob. I had all of them. It was impossible for me to meet you guys. I live 3,500 miles away from here. You guys aren't even that known. There's nothing bad, but East Coast has East Coast. West Coast has West Coast. It's just how it is. It's a long ride. But a lot of people don't know about what goes on in Portland, Oregon. I don't even know what goes on in Portland, Maine. But when I would read that stuff, and I can just quote it off the top of my head, Northwest Believers Conference, I'd get literature and, wow, man, it looks like they're having a good time. All the books, all the teachings, all of this, going back. When I started my church, Bob, I had no help. I had no apostles. I started my church in my living room with three people. I was left-footed out of my church I served for nine years. I was sent, because I believe in the posture of sending, Amen. I'm looking at Bill over there. Was he sent? Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. <laughs> or did he, was he, did he went or did, was he sent? No, he was bent. Okay, let me go on. Anyway, I was sent. But they never backed me. They never, they never backed me. After I got it, they were glad to get rid of me. It was like a Saul and David situation I had to go through. So I had to start a church with no help. I didn't go to Bible college. Ain't no PBC near me. (laughs) There's some good Christian colleges, but I wasn't going. I hated school. And here I go with this church. 
struggling for years. Medium. I've met good people that put me in positions and wonderful people, wonderful apostles, apostolic gifts over the years. But I didn't, never met you guys. But I knew your system. I knew the material. I knew what was happening here. I had that vibe. 16 years I had my church with no property. I moved from eight places. Come on, sweetie. We moved from one place, a VFW, uh, a Holiday Inn. Uh, uh, a Fairfield Inn, an uh, elementary school, a Jewish synagogue, a Greek Orthodox place, a place where the Muslims used. <laughs> building after building, and people were following me around for 16 years. Listen to me, I'm bringing it to an end because I know I'm not going to get to it. It's a good message, but you'll never hear it. But anyway. <laughs> 16 years. He called me back. I've been saved since 1981. I served in the church for 10 years, so 1991 plus 16 more years. That's 26 years of my life. I wasn't where he wanted me to be. See, I'm going to tell you this in this house. Oh, God. You are so blessed to have this man and his wife here. You have no idea what you have. This is gold. I'm serious. And, and Bill and the people at MFI, it's gold what you have. It's gold. They know what they're doing. They know church. They know missions. They know it all. Church planning, you're gold. I didn't have that. But I had a calling and an assignment. And God's fair to everybody. No matter where you are, where you come from, whatever situation you come out of, his call and his assignment remains the same. So 26 years of my life being a believer, and I wasn't where I was supposed to be. The last place we rented was a high school in Inglewood, New Jersey. A high school. Long story short, I was in a meeting in the summertime, and a man, a prophet came. This is where the prophetic comes in at. A prophet from South Africa walked up to me, and he said these words. He said, men have cursed you, so you can't buy property. I said, me? He said, yeah, you. He said, but today the Lord says, I break the curse from off of you. Well, I went back trying to figure out who would curse me. Well, I learned some things. I learned some things, and I don't have time to go into spiritual fathers and all that stuff, but they have a lot to do with your life. These people that passed you have a lot to do with your life more than you realize. Their words are either life or death. And so I'm way behind. I'm way behind where he wanted me to be. And so what God does when you feel like you're way behind, he catapults you, which means he picks you up and carries you to where you should be. In 10 years, we've bought two buildings worth $7 million in a, t what years? No, it's eight years. Eight years. In an eight-year period, God touched my life somehow 
with Jack Lohman, came to New York, Danny Bonilla. I was doing presbytery with David Kitely. He said, we got to get you to Portland. I came out to Portland 20, uh, 2003, did presbytery. Pastor Dick and them were standing in the back with leather jackets on like they were bad. <laughs> and they put, uh, put the family members in my group. I, I don't know anybody. I'm prophesying. I said to one of Frank's kids, I said, your, your daddy's like a king, a tribe, a, a chief of a tribe. I didn't even know what I was saying. Well, at the end, they came up to me and they both were laughing and said, that was our family members you ministered to. The same men whose books I used to read and never knew them in my life, here they stand there in front of me. And they said, welcome. And you know Pastor Dick was a man of relationship. I was surprised that when I used to see him in the East Coast that he remembered my name. And he would come up to me, Eric, I heard you're doing good. How? <laughs> God had done something in my life. I never would have thought I'd be one of the ALT leaders. Now I oversee a region in the Northeast for MFI. What am I telling you? What am I telling you? In every story I had, the man at the pool of Bethesda who was catapulted. You've been here a long time. Every time you want to go in the water, the water stirred, you want to go in, somebody jumps in before you. He said, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Jesus catapulted. Fish were in Peter's boat because Jesus got in the boat. He said, thrust out a little from the land. Jesus catapulted Peter financially to the place where he should have been so he could do ministry. Jesus catapulted David when David killed Goliath. And let me just give you the end of this. The catapult operates this way as the mechanism. And that's just this the best part of the message. I don't care how far you've been pushed back. I don't care how many bad things have happened. Remember, when a catapult is working, it's an arm that comes up that the Romans would put rocks in and they would pull it back. So they would crank it back. And trouble and anxiety and tests and trials, every time something comes, it loads the catapult with weight. And I want to tell you something today. The farther you push back, the farther, the more pressure you're under, the more you go back, little sound effect. I don't care if people left the church. People don't like you anymore. They stopped tithing. Your car broke down. Kids don't like you. Got to pay college bills. No matter how far you go back, remember this always, the further you go back, the farther you go into the future. That's what it means to be catapulted. That's what it means. And so I say to you, your future is over here waiting for you. Your future has been waiting for you. And God's going to put you in position to get there. I laugh at life. I beat it. There's no way I should have the life that I have. I've got the best kids in the world. I got a tremendous wife, tremendous church, church says, good life. Logically, there's no way that should have happened. But what he did, 
He said, this is my man, and I called him before his mother's womb. I got a prophecy years ago. A prophetess came to a church and prophesied to everybody in the building. She was from Arizona somewhere. And uh, I was excited because I used to lead worship back, back in the old days. And uh, I said, oh, I know I'm going to get prophesied over. I'm in the second row. I had a big red shirt on. I was ready. I, You know you got something for me, right? I know you got something for me. She prophesied over everybody in the building, the morning service, the night service, and didn't prophesy to me. Well, as the night went on, it was a Sunday night. She came down off the steps like this, and I was sitting about where you are, sir. And she walked. She said, well, I'm done. She gave the mic back to the pastor and walked right past me. And when I was sitting in this seat, I was exactly where you are. My eyes were so watery. I felt rejected, neglected, abandoned, forsaken, everything, all at once, a rush. I said, come on, God. I, I, I saw people like, there's no way that guy should be getting that word. <laughs> Him? just cast the devil out of that woman right there last week. That one had high blood pressure. I mean, come on, Jesus, I'm in shape. <laughs> and this is a true story that changed my life. She went about this far. I don't mean to make you nervous. I'm not. <laughs> and then she backed up, and I was facing that way like he is. And she backed up and came back. And she said these words. She said, you thought the Lord forgot you, but I will never forget you, says the Lord. I will raise you up and I will put you in a high place and I'll raise you to a standard and a level that kings and people in authority, presidents will see your face and they'll ask you, how did you get here? And you will say, the Lord put me here. Amen.